to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yachts, and this is part two of my interview with Anthony Carone. He is an actor and a producer. Enjoy. So I, I guess I I sold, but with James Gray, it was a whole different thing. And mm. uh, James was really uh, brilliant. I mean, not to say that everyone else isn't, but he, he wrote it. He sees exactly what he wants. He knows exactly what he wants. And uh, he giggles like a, like a little kid when, he, when he's excited over things. So I had no idea. Can I talk about this? Yeah. So, so they say you have this reading for a, wee, a show called We Own the Night, and it's this captain solo. And I say, okay, great. And I go and I read the scene. And uh, the, direct, the casting director was pleased, but you never know, you know, they're like, that was great. They're better actors than we are, I suppose. So I went back and I walked into the room and there's James Gray and this big room. And there's also uh, Nick Wexler and somebody else. And, and I, and I knew it was Nick after, but I didn't know it was just, it was just a guy. Right. So do you know who Nick Wexler is? He, he did Requiem for a Dream and a, and a Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the cinematographer? No, no. The producer. Wexler. I don't, whatever. I don't, so, I don't know. But yeah. So anyway, so, so, uh, and James is laughing at me and he's going, where'd you come from? And I'm, I'm like confused. Like what? Because, yeah, where, where, where you been, man? How come we never heard of you? What agent are you with? And I, and I told him, and he said, well, it's amazing. It's amazing that we've never seen you before. Nobody's ever seen you before. Nobody's ever heard of you before. And I went, okay. Am I on candy camera or something, man? <laughs> and they go, no. Yeah. Do you? And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm really confused. I said, will you read for us again, please? I'm like, yeah. I mean, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Uh, and and I and so I ended up getting it, and it was a it was an interesting thing with James because uh, there was another guy who was cast in it initially to play the the chief police chief, and it didn't work out on the day. Something weird happened, and so he he said, "You have a backstory. You and this guy are Korean War buddies, best friends, right? And you have this energy. You guys do." And uh, Mark is the comer, and you guys are both watching out for him. And, and Joaquin is the, you know, the kind of guy that doesn't fit in the black sheep thing. So when they fired him, they said, "So we got a choice of two actors, and I, I have to talk to you for a bit." And I said, "Okay, what?" He goes, "So uh, we let him go, or he let, somehow it worked out where it didn't work out. There was a conflict of some sort, and we're thinking of bringing on." Uh, Bobby Duvall, how do you how do you feel about that? And I go, well, first of all, I mean, thank you for asking me. And I don't know if it matters, but to, to, to me, you know, Bobby D's top shelf. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's as top yeah. shelf as it gets. And uh, he goes, but so more importantly, what is your now? What is your dynamic? Who are you now? And I had to come up with a backstory. And, and yeah. I just came up with, I said, well, you, who, here's who I am. This is the 80s, right? And I'm this single guy, this bachelor, you know, who thinks he's cool uh, and, and probably snorts coke with, with you know, Joaquin at his club and, and just hangs out. And I'm like the uncle that is the connection to the family uh, that, that he would never have. Anyway, that's brilliant. I love it. So uh, that's how... Uh, that was the backstory that we went with. But if I had come up with a different backstory that didn't make any sense, who knows? I think we're aliens on a on another planet, and uh, that's it. Yeah, that's awful. Get out. Yeah, and we were, we're doing this thing where I'm eating Chinese food in the background, and he said, you know, I don't, I don't think your character would use chopsticks. <laughs> and I said, well, I do. Because, all right, let's who do said, what, Who said that? The, the director? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think he doesn't think he would eat chopsticks. Yeah, you wouldn't use chopsticks. Yeah, well, when I got those dancers that I'm courting, you know, I gotta impress them. So whatever. Uh -huh. 
yeah. I, mean, oh, I, I had a great time. I, I had a real great time on that movie. And I really thought at the end of it, I had no idea how big of a movie it was until they told me. You see, do you know mm. what you just booked? I said, no. Do you know who's in it? I said, no. And they told me, and I went, wow. Oh, my. Thank you for not telling me before I went to the audition. Yeah. Because I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't. I was free. I didn't care it, at it, all. It's like that film, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where he like, which is he witnesses a shooting and he runs into an audition because he's hiding from the cops and they think he's acting, but he's really just lost his friend or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing there. Where you're just like, but yeah, I mean, that's the truthful thing. I mean, so many actors, you know, you'll tell them what they're doing and then they'll like, they'll be like, no, 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 be a real person. Just like you were telling that girl, you know, it's like, we're just two guys standing here. You can be say she can be saying anything, you know. I could doodle here for the whole time to waste your time, you know. It doesn't, yeah. You know, you're like kind of trying to relax him. Well, that's your that's your Meisner stuff, isn't it? You're a Meisner guy, aren't you? <laughs> I, I I did Meisner and I did the method, so I've had all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a theory about all of that. You know, I mean, truly, you either have it or you don't. You're either Ringo or you're Paul in the in the Beatles. Yeah. This is my my phone. I'm sorry that it's going off. Um, oh, and and those uh, are were a way for people to discover an approach to yeah. truth and organic. You know, not overacting yeah. to being, if you will. But they weren't people that made you know, Hoffman and Pacino and De Niro and Walken and all those people, stars, they were going to become stars anyway. In fact, nice. they made those coaches famous, I think. Did you, did you, did you work with anyone or did you, did you just learn everything on the job? I learned everything on the job. I thought so. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're very, you're very comfortable on camera. That's the thing I noticed even from looking at some of your earlier stuff. I was like, yeah, he's already, he's already there. <laughs> Some of my earlier stuff, like Miami Vice stuff, embarrasses me, maybe, but... Uh, Isn't that all actors? We all get embarrassed by watching anything older. Like, I could have done it so much better than that. Yeah, <laughs> you might be... Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Uh, you know? There was a, a thing where I was uh, a stunt guy on stick with Bert, and um, he gets to this place where some guy does something in a bar and he takes a, a, a goblet of gasoline and he throws it on on the bad guy and he lights a match and he says something and i'm like safety but i'm a, in a tuxedo i'm one of the guests and i'm right next to him so i know that i'm in the frame yeah. right and i'm thinking okay so what would i do standing here without being a glaring mistake i have to be i have to be natural i'm an extra Maybe I should leave the frame uh, for fear of it, but then maybe I should stay there and, and be entertained. And I, I really couldn't make any choice at all. Luckily, they made the choice for me. And they were, okay, caught where you're, and they framed inside of me. So it was just a two shot. So I wasn't even in it. Yeah. But my mind was blown so much that I was sitting there like, what, what did I, how, how would I even, what would I do? What, what was my body language? I never thought about body language. I never thought about like that at all because I w it was a silent bit. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hide behind talking. And so I went home and I watched cartoons with no sound on. And I watched television with no sound on. And I saw how people gesticulated and I saw how they held themselves. And I could almost anticipate what it was that they were saying and or going to say, especially doing uh, on, on camera. But the thing that was even more specific was the cartoons because an animator chose that body language and chose those gesticulations. They weren't accidental that someone went, oh, I just scratched my nose. Now I have to remember I scratch my nose every time at that line, like for yeah. continuity. And so uh, that was something that was very sobering to me. I was like, wow, there's way, way more to this than I even imagined. And my, yeah. my, I was on a very first Miami Vice thing. In the teaser, I was a porno actor. And uh, James Cameron's wife, I forget what her name was. She Catherine was his, Bigelow? Yes. She's doing uh, aerobics. In, oh, uh, Linda Hamilton. Linda, no, 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 not uh, Lucas's. No, it's, it's Cameron's wife. Redheaded gal. 
the, the Catherine Bigelow was, I think he dated Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron. I don't know if he married her. Oh, Maybe well, he did. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that gal. And okay. she's working out in the door. And, and uh, the, the script says the door opens to reveal a, a, a air conditioning repairman, a poor man's Richard Gere with skin tight jeans and a guinea tee. Are we looking at a bad actor or a bad role? Do we even care? Air conditioning repairman. Are you the lady that called about the servicing? Her. Yes, I am. It's hot as a sauna. Do you think you could come and fix it? Uh, uh, and so he goes in and then throws her on the bed and the camera swings around and Don and Philip are standing there, you know, uh, and it's a, they're infiltrating a porno ring. I think it's called mm -hmm. Heart of Darkness was the episode. So they say, okay, I think we're ready for you. And I, this is my first time doing lines and being on camera because I was at a party and the casting director saw me. I had a tuxedo on and a tank top. And like she goes, what is this stud? You know, so she, yeah. would you like to read for this? And, and so I, I did. Uh, and I'm standing there and, and the guy, and I'm standing there with my arms. And they go, okay, we need you to stand where you're going to be. And the door opens up and somebody's got him. Like, okay, that's six feet, whatever. And, and then there's a camera and I see it and I'm looking at it. And okay, let's tweak the tweenie and bop the bippy. And they're do, tweaking all this stuff. And I'm standing in for myself, basically. And while I'm doing it, guy comes up and he goes, hey, I'm going to mic you. Uh, I don't think we're going to mic. We're going to just a, a boom. Okay. I go, yeah, okay, whatever. Prop guy goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm props. Here's your tool belt. Are you right-handed or left-handed? I go, I'm right-handed. He goes, okay, put it on. He comes back, he goes, here's your toolbox. And my line was, are you the lady called about the servicing? So the whole time I'm sitting there going, are you the lady calling about the servicing? Are you the lady calling about the servicing? Are you the lady calling about the servicing? It doesn't sound right yeah. at all, right? And, and I'm there saying, okay, ready? And I'm like freaking out because I think about every time I've ever stood in front of a door, like, are, are you the lady called about that? I, that and out of exasperation, I put my hand up on the jam like this going, oh my God, what can I do? And the door opened up and I just went, are you the lady called about the service? She said, yeah. And it worked out totally by accident. Uh, but that was an, another this, very, yeah, choices. Isn't, isn't that about. the truth though? Sometimes something like that can happen, you know, the, the yeah. That's the great thing about acting. I mean, you can accidentally do something great. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're cognizant of making a choice. Yeah. Because even a choice is not a choice. A non-choice is a choice. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, if you don't know how to repeat it, then, uh, yeah, that's not really a great choice. <laughs> Unless, well, even if you do know how to repeat it, you know, most of the time you see people in an Academy Awards ceremony, oh, my gosh, look, it's Bobby and Johnny, and you guys are wonderful actors. The choices you made, you know, it's all yeah. about choices. Or being allowed to make choices. Yes, I, I would agree with that. So with We Own the Night, um, what was it like working with Duvall and Joaquin? Uh, Joaquin is a very, very, very consummate artist and, and is really into his head. And uh, he needs his energy and his space so the dynamics of it was if joaquin and i were on the set without duvall or Wahlberg or or you know shapiro what was his name he just died too bob bob De, De Niro's buddy um oh he's been I, in a bunch of stuff silver play notebook anyway if it wasn't oh um Silver Lines Playbook. Uh, yeah. Well, whatever. I, I think I know who you're talking about. But yeah. I can't so if he was there and Duvall was there and Wahlberg was there and Joaquin was there and I was there and we we're all in our chairs waiting, no one talked to me. I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm not cool. Uh, yeah. So it depended on the dynamic. And I find uh, often the on-screen dynamic mirrors what the real dynamic is so mark and i hardly talked uh and i've done three or four films with one of his brothers and um i think if i saw mark on the street and say hey mark how you doing it'd be like yeah, whatever uh but joaquin and i had a great dynamic and and yeah. uh he wasn't responsible for anything i mean so I sat there and I said, wow, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in the game right now. 
I thought that at odds too, but I go, now I'm here in the game. And so I knew the second AD from another show that I did. And I'm, and so I went up to him and I said, you know, I'm sitting here every day and I could use a better agent and I could use this. And I, he goes, don't even, don't even ask. Don't, it's gotta be their idea. Don't breach it. Cause it's like having like a, a, a relationship with someone for maybe a month and then walking, Hey man, can I borrow 10 grand from you? <laughs> so, you know, I made the mistake once with Jim Carrey. Of saying, I know you told that story. I, I love that story where you told, but he was so kind about it because he tells you the story about, you know, how yeah, there I was you know, on looked a, over the thing and he imagined it, you know, yeah, he imagined it and he said, you're exactly where you need to be right now, man. It, it all works out for Ben. I, and I asked, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I asked, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, it doesn't matter. Another actor. And he said, oh, here's what you do. Here's what you do, man. You you, you do a play in your garage and you invite them. Oh yeah, I heard <laughs> You fight the neighborhood and they'll all come and then eventually CNN will show up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Okay. Matt Modine. That's who it was. Matt Modine told you that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay, well, he's the one, Thanks, he's the one that told uh, Stanley Kubrick. But Stanley Kubrick, you know, what was it? The birth of his child was coming and Stanley wanted him to work that day on Full Metal Jacket. And he was like, no, I'm not coming to work today to miss the birth of my child. And, like Stanley was just completely upset that he Live just it. would not, that would not do that. So I could still see him doing the same. Thing. Yeah, that's what he said. You got to do that. So I did. I did a zoo story with a buddy of mine. I did a modern version of the zoo story. Yeah, so I good, retweaked it that on a bench one time and hoped that somewhere along the line it creates some kind of buzz or whatever. But uh, I didn't. But when Joaquin was there, uh, we talked a lot, and. Yeah. Um, and I got a text from him near the end of it. I said to him, well, you know, I've been blessed. I had, I probably never work again. Uh, it was wonderful meeting you. And he hate, you know, like, I, I, I don't really like these. I don't want to deal with guns now. Uh, you know, we, we had to go to a city uh, yeah. island to practice shooting M16s for the. I mean, I saw those shots. I mean, that's, you got to be, that's, that, that, those were staged. A lot of blocking there. And uh, and then I got a message from him. Meet me at this place. Okay. So I went there and go, Hi, I'm here to see what, yeah, go upstairs. And he's sitting there talking to this guy. I had no idea who the guy was. I have no idea yeah. why I'm there. But I'm talking to the guy about fishing. He's from Ireland. But I'm part Irish, but I don't, you know, I, mean, I like to go there, but I never have. And uh, sharing a story about my son playing baseball because he blamed me because he got hit by a, a pitch that it, it was the bat's fault. And I told him to use the bat and he was never going to trust me again. And uh, and then at the end of it, uh, he ends up being Terry George, uh, who was the uh, Academy Award director for Hotel Rwanda. And they invite me to read in Nick Wexler's next movie, which was Re uh, Reservation Road as a cop and i called um, mr wexler and i said you know i read the book and uh i asked M michael bay and, and jerry bruckheimer at a rap party if i could throw my hat in the ring for cold cases and i might as well ask him to date his wife because they looked at me like how dare you even you can't ask for stuff like that it's like why you know, so I was really apologetic i said mr wexler i'd really like to read for you. he goes oh you'd be great for that oh my gosh yeah so I went to uh, the casting director who was one of these casting directors that wouldn't see anybody hardly ever. She calls me. I'm in, I'm in Florida in the backyard, lifting weights or cutting grass or something. She goes, hi, is this Anthony Corona? I go, yeah. She says, this is so-and-so. I said, oh, wow. Hi. She goes, listen, I, I hear you're friends with Terry George and he's doing this movie. And we were wondering if you could come in and read for it like uh, Wednesday. And I said, well, gee, no, I can't really. I'm in Florida. She goes, Oh, I expect her to go, really? Well, then forget it. But she says, okay, well, when could you come? I was like, well, when could, I guess I could be there next Wednesday. Sure, that'd be great. Go, come in. So I went in and uh, uh, the scene, one of the scenes was when uh, Walk's son gets hit by a car and he, and hit and run, right? And I'm the mm -hmm. barracks officer that's investigating. I said, did you see him? No, so I, I was it an SUV? Was it a, you know, no. 
And I had done enough ride-alongs with law enforcement and knew enough of them, especially from We Own the Night, that I talked to one from the Bronx 4-4, Bobby Nardi. Great kid, guy. And I said, what would you do? He goes, first thing you do is make yourself human, man. You lose your hat. And you just and if he doesn't move and you, and you can't get him to leave the site, you assure him that you're, you know, his kid would be in great instances. But it's never about anything other than being human and, and connecting with him. So she says, you know, walking is going to be very low and, and you're being very low. I think you need to be a little more uh, up and forceful about getting him to get into the car. And all I could think about was, was two things. This is my audition and this is how I'm doing it. And, and the other thing was Dustin Hoffman saying, tomatoes don't talk. I don't want to be a juicy ripe tomato. And I, and I sort of had to, <laughs> I sort of had to play the game, right? So I said, well, uh, okay, uh, I, I, you know, I understand that this is what the protocol is, and, and I'll do it your way, but I ended up on the day they, they wanted me to do it exactly as I had initially wanted to. And it was a wonderful time, really a wonderful time in fall. I had a great time there. And then I didn't think I'd work with Joaquin again because I made the mistake of telling him how talented he was. That was the end of it. Like what deleted my deleted my phone number. It's like, you know, he doesn't, none of that. Just because you said, yeah. I mean. If I had said, no, I've rocked in this movie, but you sucked. Nothing would have changed. But I said, dude, you got more talent. I just, uh, I, wow. That was, that was a deal breaker for him? Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah. You know, I'm not judging him where everybody has their own yeah. thing. Uh, and I, who knew? I, I just really admired him. And, you know, he probably yeah. is inundated with people that are constantly wanting things and, mm -hmm. and you know, massaging him for whatever. And that truly really wasn't the case. I, I felt very close to him for a while. We had great energy, and uh, especially on Reservation Road. And it was at the premiere that I said that. And it was, uh, that was over. And then I ended up on a set with him again because James forced it. Yeah. yeah. The, Im the immigrant, right? The immigrant, yeah. And I saw him in the chair and I'm in the other chair and I see him. I go, How you doing, what? And he goes, he got up. He gave me a hug. He goes, great, man. Great. He's got a thing. Like, he doesn't really, I, I, I don't think, and I get that. Like, Pierce Brosnan said the same thing to me one time. I hope I'm not name dropping enough. I probably are too much. I probably no, have, I've got to, I've got to bring all these people up anyway. So <laughs> you know. and, and Pierce was a great guy. And, and, and Pierce says, you know, I, I really like this business because you get these wonderful, beautiful relationships with people for 30 days or 28 days, or 14 days. And then you never have to see them again as long as you live. You, you can burn out on, them, you know, and I was like, okay, well, maybe that's how it goes. Uh, some people I stay in touch with, some people I didn't stay in touch with, which I probably should have tried to stay in touch with. The ones that I did, it'd be like, hi, man, how's it going? And then like, hey, how's it going? And then maybe two months later, hey, it's Anthony, how's it going? Who's hey, this? It's, hey, who, hey, it's who Anthony it? that played your buddy in the movie This. How's it going? Who's, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it says he's plays my buddy. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So. Yeah, no. So, so when you saw him again, I mean, did he, did he explain? <laughs> no, I knew it. I knew it. I, I knew, knew it? I knew what it was because there was a, he, he, I mean, he has his own specific things. Like if you do something, you don't want to be indebted to being nice to, I guess. That's not the words wow. that I, yeah. that he said, but like, he doesn't have his own makeup person he doesn't have his own security people he doesn't have his own yeah, any of very, that he's he, very he, he's very aloof from like what hollywood what you would think somebody of his stature would be. but he's a beautiful man yes a, a beautiful man i've seen him give away like hey we got to stop at this yeah. guy's i'm giving him a sh yeah. green piece a, a ton of money Right. Yeah. And he's a strict, strict vegetarian and he and he loves animals. And and I mean, he's just genuinely. Well, I, I I heard what was uh, yeah, Todd Phillips. When he was working with him. He was saying, you know, do you need help with like the losing of the weight? And he was like, no, no, no. I do my own thing. You know, he just slowly decreased his diet till he was, you know, 
what he looked like in that movie, you know. So I, I can I can see that. I mean, that's. And I've always been wanting like the phone to ring and going, "Hey, man, I want you to be in Joker too." But I, he just doesn't want anybody to distract him from what he's into. You know, yeah. like it just be just a bunch of people. There are there are different types of of people. That my nervous okay. energy, I joke around before action. Right before they say action, yeah. boom, then I'm in character, and then I cut them yeah. out. There are people that you can't even talk to them. You like just don't, don't even don't even talk to me. Just I'm in my head right now. I need to be there. To me, it depends on the situation. I I can be aloof like that, but I can also be jokey. You know, like so it it depends. You know, for me, I have to I have to feel the vibe of the room and see what what I think. I need, you know, but I can see how he's, you know, I mean, one, I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw in Joker, they, you know, showed, are they, that, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about. When you did um, We Own the Night, how was he, like, what would he be like when you would do, when you would do different takes? Is he somebody that would stay the same and keep it the same and just like tighten it up? Or is he somebody that would give you something different each time? He's, uh, he's so subtle that uh, I mean he never did anything that surprised me uh, mm. I, I, it wasn't like something like wow although I did do one take and I guess it's an ongoing joke with him it was like is that how you're going to do it man? <laughs> like what yeah is that how you're going to do it yeah that, that, that's, that, I think so yeah that's how it's going to do it all right and then I saw them doing it to each other. That's kind of a joke. Uh, I, I, all I have to say is he's wonderful, wonderful, Funny. wonderful gentleman, wonderful, wonderful yeah. talent, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Just, uh, I'm saddened that, you know, I'm glad that our paths crossed three times. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I said to him. Oh, wow, you got to work with me again. And we got along swimming fantastically. And I, if I knew he was in town, I would, I, you know, I would stop on a set and go, hey, man, how you doing? But uh, I think I overstepped my welcome because I, I, I'm too too much into the business and want to talk about the business. And I think he doesn't really want to. He doesn't want to be in the business. He doesn't want to be. He, I mean, he wants to be in the business, but he doesn't want to be, you know, having to. Well, how did it feel when you were playing Johnny Cash? You know, he doesn't. Yeah. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, he's not going to. He's not somebody who's going to. Yeah. He's somebody that, like, De Niro does that when you, if you watch his interviews. I'll ask him about something. Well, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I, I can easily see how how you can get to be that. You know, people say, "Well, yeah. I really liked what you did it there." Well, what do you know? Yeah. 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 It's it's difficult because every time you, you you speak publicly, it lives forever and it's on the record, and and people yeah. can you know. I made the mistake one time. I was hired on a as a very uh, Wu-Tang Clan saga. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. I saw and then the same casting director hired me again on uh, Brothers by Blood with uh, Matthias Schoenhardt. Wow, talented mm. guy too. And uh, we were in Philadelphia and the same cast, it was a self-tape, the, the, the uh, Wu-Tang was. Mm. Really racist part. Uh, I'm not going to get into it, but I think you that you, yeah, I remember you you talking about that. That yeah. there was like some, some crazy song that I had a lip sync to, and whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, the casting director wanted to meet me. Mm -hmm. It's a fan. I, I'd like to meet him. So yeah. uh, you know, to me, meeting a casting director is like going to a psychotherapist, and they are like trying to figure who you are out or what your limitations are or how much they can become fans of yours or how likable you are or whatever right mm -hmm. and i get that and and so i tried maybe too hard <laughs> so 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 i said and she goes well so uh, thank you for coming in i go oh, you're, you're welcome she's i brought a flower you know in with her yeah with me here you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, how do you like living in New York? I said, well, uh, I do. I, I, it's an amazing city. I love living here. I'm staying in Washington Heights, and it's summer. 
So everybody's playing Spanish music on their porches, like oh, no, don't say that. five in the morning, so loud you can't even sleep, and they're playing on other things, like and it goes, they, 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 right? Right. So, and so, oh yeah. So you have kids. Oh yeah, I've got two kids. And do you have kids? She goes, Yeah, I, I got two kids. How old are your kids? She goes, Five. Years. What do you have a nanny? Oh, we have a nanny. I go, Well, you really don't have kids. You have pets, kind of, you know, because you're not there the whole time. I said, So I, you know, I've got kids. And my wife and I argue over kids sometimes. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe I should have beat her more before I married her. That's all is a joke. Right? No, no. So usually when I get back. Hey, your interview went very well. I didn't hear nothing from my agent for three days. Finally, he calls me and goes, hey, I got a, uh, got a problem. You know, I think you might want to send a, an apology card to the casting director. Why? Well, because um, you were talking about Dominicans and saying that they were loud. And Spanish people were loud. and Her partner is a Dominican or something. Wow, dude! I didn't oh, say it no. like that. I was just saying it's a compare. No, but I mean, but that's how everything gets misconstrued. I mean, this is the the kind. This is the world we're we're living in. This is know? the cancel culture that we're into right now. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm sorry, I said that word. No, but, don't worry. I'll take. I'll take. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's only one so far, and I'm doing pretty good. Wouldn't you say? No, you've done. I. Dude, yeah, I mean, you no. could say you could say the sun is rising the wrong way, and somebody could be. Well, what do you mean? You have something against the sun, sir. And I'm then, sorry. I'm I'm very offended. <laughs> and then she said that you were you were a bigot and a womanizer, and that you beat your wife. I'm like, yeah. oh my, are you kidding you me? Are you, come this, on, this man. is like a Larry David episode. I, exactly. Where, uh, I said this. I, 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 I wanted. I went into it like a stand-up comedian. I was just trying to endear my like, Yeah, well, she took very much offense to it. And they'll probably never hire you again. I'm like, oh, bro. You know what? He goes, you should know better. How how am I supposed to know better? You know, uh, we gotta yeah. you gotta come in with like this. Basically, yeah, everything is fantastic. Nothing, yeah, everything's that's, fantastic. That's how, well, that's how we get interviews like that, where like nothing is being told. Is yep. everyone scared to say anything? I mean, this is why we're not getting comedies anymore. I mean, do you think that the Hangover is would would work today? It's like that's two thousand and eight. And we've changed so much since then, and that's like just yeah, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, it's homogenization. You know, but I, I you know, I'm not contending yeah. that I'm the most polished stone in the box. And in, in fact, that's my yeah. brand. So okay, so what? No, I think it works for you. I mean, that's that's what they want. Yeah, seemingly. But wait, but here's what they that's want. They want the, the rabbit. No nonsense. They want the rabbit yeah. dog, but they want to hire but Lassie. Put a suit on. Yeah. And put on a suit. Put a, put I, on a suit. And then we'll have you be the rabid dog. And then my wife, that's what, you know, I said, I go, look, honey, I'm acting more when I'm not acting. Well, thank you. That was very nice of you. Uh, yes. Can, here's my wardrobe. Do you like I mean, yeah. you know, uh, when I'm, when I'm I doing mean, lines, I could be me. Otherwise I have to be just like super I just, apologetic. I just remember that, that episode of uh, Curb where, you know, he's like fake slapping his wife from like afar and the guy sees it, and from the way, the way he's seeing it, he thinks that, like, it looks like he's slapping her around. And they're both, like, playing around or whatever. So he goes into the, uh, the place, and, and the guy's talking to his wife, like, is everything okay? No, I, w I want you to know right now, I saw what Larry did, and it's not okay. <laughs> it's like, so, I mean, but, but it's a good example of something that can be just taken out of context. You know, what, what you did out of context, you know, if we just look at those words, yeah, okay. But if you look at it out of context, yeah, you were doing like a stand-up, you know, yeah, thing. That's you pretty just much joking a, around. Yeah, I was. I was just trying to be funny and cute and whatever, and it backfired on me. I was a pirate one time in a, a meet and greet corporate thing, and I had the whole great wig, you know, flowing locks and stuff. And <laughs> my deal was to get corporate <laughs> Fabergé people from all over the world to intermingled together so i had to invent yeah. these games to get them to interact and i invented an r off so they had to say a word that started with r and then i get back to the holding area and there's this matronly like gal there and she's very surly and she's the only one in and, and i was the last guy in and i was going to grab a snack and uh and i said well what's wrong last you look sad she goes well they had a they had a face reader here 
and and I said, oh yeah. And she goes, and I got here late, and uh, and uh, I missed him. I said, so what you're saying is you'd like your face red? And she says, yes. And so I went pretend, slap, slap, slap. Would that be red enough? But I didn't hit her, right? She wasn't yeah, amused. yeah. She wasn't amused. She ran the whole company. She wanted me off the property. Wow. Yeah, I was like, lighten up, man. Yeah, come no. on. I mean, you're playing a pirate. These are not, yeah. they, they were the rock stars of, I mean, well, you heard that. I don't, I'll, I'll make you feel a little bit better. I mean, uh, what was it? Johnny Depp was talking about how uh, when he was doing Pirates of the Caribbean and they're looking at the dailies and they're just like, we don't know what to make of this. And they kept calling, you know, so they call him up and they'd be like, well, we, is there any way you could do the part a little less, you know, homosexual? Like, and, and Johnny like kind of pauses and goes, well, all my parts are done like a homosexual. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know... He, he, you know, he's from he's from my town, by the way. Is he? I, yeah, I used to be in a rock and roll band called the Kids that played at the Button South. The so I mean, it's I mean to be an artist today. I mean, it, yeah, you bring up a very good conundrum. I mean, you're we're supposed to come in and, and be the part, but then before that, I want to see that you're you know the corporate guy who can go on all the talk shows and say all the buzzwords. So yeah, well, I don't think I'm at that things. level of going on the talk. You know, you I, play I, all the things. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, no. Um, but all right, let's talk a little bit about Oz because I wanted to. I like that role that you play. How'd that talk about? Yeah. So Oz came about because uh, there was a show called Good Guys Bad Guys that was being cast in Florida. One of the producers of uh, Oz lived in South Florida and wanted to be able to have a show that he could run down here. And Dana Delaney was in it and somebody else, I forget who. And I was uh, to have been like the main protagonist's bodyguard. So mm. I, I did the read and um, I ended up booking it. And I, I went up on my dialogue once because I also was reading for Flipper remake. What was Elijah Wood? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Whatever. So, oh yeah, they did a they did another one, the, right. the TV series. It didn't. Yeah. So for some reason, I was having a hard time that day, and the casting director, great lady, she was she'd always stand off to this. So my eyeline, instead of looking just off camera, would be here to her. And I kept screwing. And by the way, why are you even standing over there? Why aren't you standing next to the camera where you can see what my reaction is? She said, "Are you done?" So I guess you don't want to read for this 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 other show, which was Good Guys Bad Guys. And she said, "Tom Fontana is the producer." And I knew who Tom Fontana was because after I read Flipper, I went home and I watched Oz and it was Eric Roberts was asking what he wanted for his last dinners on death row. Yeah. And he was saying something that he wanted bulls balls. And uh, D.B. Wong was the priest and was saying to him something. And he said, what do you even know about women? Have you ever, you never even been with women? He went on this whole rant. I went, that, right there, that's the kind of stuff that I want to do. I don't want to read for Flipper as some crooked accountant. I'm like, why am I wasting my time? So I get there, I do the thing. And uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, are you having a good time? And I said, yeah. And he said, this was before I knew who Tom Fontana was. He goes, I'm Tom Fontana. And, I, and my dad told me a long time ago, whoever introduces you, it doesn't matter who it is, you call him Mr. This, thank you, sir, whatever, right? He could have been like the craft service guy. I go, thank you. Yes, Mr. Fontana, I'm having a great time. He goes, yeah. He says, and, I, and then I saw, I saw, oh, you were talking to Tom Fontana. I said, yeah. Said, Do you know who he is? No. Oz. I'm like, what? So I, I didn't run up to him, but afterwards I said, Mr. Fontana, I'm really a fan of, of your show. I, mean, I would love to get on it. If there's any way somehow that I could, uh, please keep me in mind. So uh, I drop it. And then after rap, 
I talked to somebody and I said, you know, I should go where we go. No, no, you put the seat there. You don't, you don't go back up and say it again. You just let it ride. So Oz starts up. He goes, you know, it's a great show. We do it in the summertime where everybody's off and we do like five episodes a season and and uh, it's great camaraderie. We have this beautiful show. And I said, oh, I know. I would love to be on it. So I didn't have an agent at the wow. time. I couldn't get a New York agent. I mean, I seriously, I had eight, eight, half inch tapes in a box that I carried around in the Ross reports. And I went up to every single Fisk building, the Brill building, all the, the whatever. And I would just like anything was agent. I would put this very expensive half inch tape in the slot with a letter. Hi, I'm Johnny. I want to be in that. Yeah. Can you please see me? And nothing, 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 nothing. This was, I went there every single day for like months. I couldn't get an agent at all. You gave the, you gave them a, a tape every single day. Every single time, yeah. And the sad part of it back then was when you had a tape. If you did another gig, then you'd have to reconfigure it, and you would lose a generation, right? If you added to it. So uh, I was wasting money with these tapes, right? Yeah. So eventually, this this lady she goes, "Listen, I'm going to act as your manager," and she says, uh, "If you walk around and you instead of me hiring a courier, you drop these off in mailboxes." So I said, okay, please accept so-and-so and so-and-so. So I went, so I found out where Tom Fontana's office was in the village and I went to his office and I put the tape and I don't know if you remember me, Mr. Fontana, but uh, I, I expressed an interest in working on it. I would love to work on Oz. Thank you so much for, could you please watch my tape? And uh, the agent manager slice type person, she calls me, she goes, oh my God, I've got such great news. But she goes, Tom Fontana's office called you. And uh, they're adding you to the show at a big capacity. And I, I, I said, I cried. I honestly cried. I really did. I said, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm trying so hard to get just something to justify spending all this time. My, my son was a baby. I was in New York. I was sitting there in a bedroom waiting for the phone to ring. I mean, just, it was terrible, really just terrible. But I, I mean, it's the only way I could do it. I wasn't going to do Los Angeles. I didn't, I, I didn't need a car in, in New York. So that was cool. Yeah. And a few times I flew in and flew back and I would be like, oh, they want to see you on a call back again. So I just, so anyway, I, I, I get hired. And uh, first day on the set, I'm expecting, like, I don't know what to expect. And people say, wow, it's a rough show, man. <laughs> it's a rough show. But you stay with your own kind and your own pot. And I was being added as one of the Sicilians, right? Yeah. And Tony Masante was the first Sicilian. And Tony Masante was also in We Own the Night with me. Yeah. And you know, yeah, Tony, was... Tony Romo, he was Tony Rome in, back in the day. What a wonderful yeah. human being he is too. So uh, Mr. Fontana comes up to me and he goes, welcome. I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. They take me and they go, here's your lot, here's your sweatsuit, here's your sweatsuit, here's your shoes, here's your this, here's your that, here's your that, here's your locker, here's your, I, and I ended up having the greatest roommate of all. They had like these big trailers. And my roommate was John Lurie from the Lounge Lizards. And we became very good friends. I, I was like a little kid. Uh, he's a saxophone player, the, the yeah. avant-garde guy. And also did fish, fishing with John and a, and a bunch of stuff. Really talented guy. And he goes, so what do you think of your character? I said, oh, I, I love my character. He goes, what do you think of the name, your character's name, which is Larry, the liquidator, right? And I said, well, no offense, Mr. Fontana, but when I say my character's name, this is what I hear in my head. Hi, Larry the liquidator. I got sheets, <laughs> I got towels. And he laughed just like that. He goes, just like that, just like you're doing right now. He goes, okay, I'll change it. I said, well, I'm not telling you you have to change it. They're just... You know that's what. So they ended up changing it to Frankie the Fixer. Yeah, that's that's yeah. more what your character would be. Yeah, <laughs> Frankie the, very the first, liquidator. The very first day, I have to incite a riot. Uh, uh, uh -huh. Yeah, and they go, "Do do you want any tattoos?" I'm like, "Oh man, I always wanted a tattoo, but I could never figure out what to get or where to put it." She goes, "Well, here, four phone books. Pick one." And my first light. First line was, uh, I'm your guardian angel kid. So I put like a big giant sacred heart on this side and the cross over here on this one. And they press it on and they did it all. And I'm like, wow, look at me. And I walk into the thing and and I incite this riot and I have to sign off on nudity because I'm getting thrown in the hole. Yeah. And yeah. Some stunt guy kicked my heel 
and my leg was like I couldn't even walk for some reason uh, and I had to suck it up and I could I couldn't like say hey I, I can't I can't be in the scene anymore wow. I take Rick Robinson who played one of the areas push up against the wall and hold them up yes, there yeah and I get thrown in so they go okay we're ready for you to go in the hole I start taking my clothes off and he goes yeah I don't know if we need we don't, I don't think we need to go total nudity and I was like what <laughs> come on man my wife let me bring the big one today <laughs> oh, okay go ahead <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I, I could see how women feel being new it was weird man like cause I, I, I don't see myself on the back I have no idea what I look like <laughs> cheesy butt or whatever it was but anyway that was my only my only nudity thing and never had a love scene either ever yet no, I did I was I was in an NBC show where I was having an affair as a as a uh, I don't know some kind of appliance repairman or something and the husband comes in and finds us and I think murders <laughs> us both and uh, they go, okay, so here it's freezing cold. The windows are open. Everybody's got ski masks on. And uh, the gal that I was with was somebody famous's girlfriend. And they had a bodyguard for her. Everybody's, and he goes, okay, let's do a rehearsal. I want it to be like when Harry met Sally. So you guys should go in a room and just rehearse, you know, your energy together. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So we're doing the scene and the camera's like, right? Like you're this close to somebody and you and you you can't even breathe, you can't even focus on their eyes. And they say, action, cut. Oh my gosh, Anthony, this is not a humping thing, man. We're on your face. I felt so embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I had no idea, whatever. I've you had to do those. I remember one time they wanted me to smoke and I'm like, I don't know how to smoke you know before so i had to like learn how to smoke and i every time they would cut i would be like does this look right is this right and they're like no it looks great and i'm like okay <laughs> and, and now you're a three pack a day smoker uh no no, no i don't smoke at all <laughs> i was i was george hickenlooper wonderful director past mm -hmm. god bless him i did three movies with him says to me you're smoking in this scene. I said, oh, I, I, man, I, I can't. I quit smoking. I had a hard thing, and I'm scared of it. And he goes, well, can we smoke cigars? I said, maybe. And then they gave me, well, we have these rosewood cigarettes. They're prop cigarettes. They cost like 20 bucks a pack. Try one of those. There's no nicotine in it. So I did. I go, oh, yeah, I'll smoke these. I went through a whole pack before lunch, and they didn't even film anything. Okay. Dude, those are $30 a pack, man. And you just smoked them all? I said, yeah, they're, yeah. Okay, well, forget it. You don't smoke. Uh, we're out of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, you played Jack Ruby in um, 11, uh, I forget the number. Yeah, 2361 or hike. Yeah. How How is that? Well, that is another story. I'm sorry to have stories. I have so many stories. No, that's I, what we want. That's I, what I want. I promised myself I was going to be concise, and, and but I can't. So when my Perfect. father passed unexpectedly, uh, an agent called and said, listen, there's a show that they wanted to call on the Sundance channel called The Red Road. And they would like you to be put on tape for it. Uh, and I said, my dad just passed away i'm in ohio i have absolutely no way of doing it and my buddy said well i'll put you on tape so i did and uh i looked at it as my dad pulling strings and i ended up being a season regular on it with jason momoa and some wonderful yeah. people it was a great I watched show. some of it it only lasted a year and a half uh and so then when my mom passed the uh they, they, we want you to put yourself on tape for Jack Ruby. I'm in Ohio. I had shut down my whole life to be with my mom. She fought cancer. She died like maybe four days prior to that. And I'm like, look, man, I'm I, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm in no mood to really do that. And I looked on pictures. I'm like, I don't even look like Jack Ruby. There's no way. And they're even going to take me as Jack Ruby. But I think it just goes through the motions. 
because they want to see it. They want to see everybody, but they don't care. It's not any of, you know, it's no sweat off there. They, they just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. And eventually when I looked, I'm like, I don't look like this guy at all, man. And then they said he was supposed to have a Southern accent. I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about. He, he was from Georgia originally or something. And his wife owned a couple strip clubs and he moved to Toronto or well, his sister did to manage strip clubs. I, I can't remember what the specifics were. Uh, Texas. He was from Georgia. He moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. So I do the audition and I get it. I'm like, that's insane. So I got Sundance because James Gray was the, the director of the first episode and I had no idea that he was. And they waffled around for a very long time over who they were going to hire. And uh, he told me later on that the key thing was they didn't think I was from New York. And he said, of course he's from New York. I just did, we owned the night with him in New York. And when I landed, uh, there's a lot of spirituality involved with my mom. But when I landed in the airport, it's welcome to Toronto airport where the local time is 11.11. And that's when I landed to do the Jack Ruby thing. And I was only there for four days. It was supposed to be a recurring. It didn't end up being recurring. But I I joked, I looked up to heaven. I said, oh, okay, ma. Dad got me like a serious regular, and you got me a day. <laughs> Could you held off for something bigger? But uh, that's how that got. And it was somehow it was one of the producers remembered me from Red Road, and she was, I think, a part of that production. It was Hulu's flagship thing, and Wu Tang was somebody else's flagship. So I'd done two like flagships. Though. I can't remember what Hulu. I think Hulu was also uh, Hulu did Wu- did the eleven twenty. Yeah, Wu Tang Clan and, and Wu Tang too, right? And Maybe. they did, yeah. Both both of them are, are Hulu's. Road the road Red Road or what? That is that's Sundance. Sundance, yeah. right? Yeah. I think that was their big attempt at launching a you know a, yeah. a, a streaming ca- and it didn't work out they, well. For they them. tried, they tried, yeah, but they, it's like now I. Stuck with, yeah. They should have stuck with the original Sundance stuff that they had with some really cutting edge indie things that Sundance Channel had. No, well, it was like the IFC, uh, yes, the IFC yes. channel. They they right. showed full movies and then they just right. became every other channel. Yes, exactly. I mean, in New York, we have the IFC Center, which, you know, I whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, this is the place they Wait, would didn't go. They count, didn't they break the that? I, that went out of business, didn't it? After COVID? Was it on 66 was right it? across from Lincoln Center? That, my... Uh, no, Maybe, no, no, no. Oh, that's talking, I know. No, yes. no, I'm talking about the one on uh, on yes, the um, I, the west side, the lower. Yes, like, yes, I know 11. exactly where you're. Yeah, that place. Where it's I've got gone. like the the billboard. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's got the basketball court and the the jazz place or whatever. That that's it's an interesting place, but yeah. does it for this episode. I want to thank Anthony Carone for coming on. This is the end of part two. Stay tuned for part three. I want to thank Kim Houston for putting this together. If you'd like to check out more of Kim Houston, go to Kim Houston Acting Studios. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts. Uh, Please look at the uh, YouTube version of this. If you like this episode, consider subscribing and uh, giving us a review. And I will see you next time on the DMF.